Good morning. Welcome to Axios Today. It's Monday, June 5th. I'm Margaret Talif, in for Nyla Boudou. Today, hundreds die in a train crash in India. New leadership across journalism. And a new message of hope heads to the cosmos. But first, the 2024 GOP field widens. That's today's one big thing. It's another big week for the coming presidential elections, with at least three Republican candidates expected to throw their hats into the ring. Former New Jersey Governor Chris Christie, former Vice President Mike Pence, and North Dakota Governor Doug Burgum. Axios' Alex Thompson is here with more. Alex, let's start with Chris Christie. What can we expect from his announcement tomorrow in New Hampshire? Well, we should expect Chris Christie to be his normal pugnacious self. He has made very clear uh, so far that he is going to focus on New Hampshire as his basic strategy to try to take down Trump, who is at the moment dominating the polls. You know, it's sort of ironic because it's not just his second time running for president. It's the second time running for president against Trump. And you may remember that he was sort of the first member of the quote-unquote Republican establishment that endorsed Trump in 2016 and what was seen as a huge boon to Trump's campaign at the time. But, you know, especially after January 6th, Chris Christie clearly soured on Trump. But also, I think he is currently unimpressed with the current crop of Republican candidates, most notably Ron DeSantis, who has basically seen his numbers in polls go down by double digits over the first six months of this year. Mike Pence, on Wednesday, he's going to formally declare his long-awaited campaign. How are you looking at him to portray how he contrasts with Donald Trump, given that he was his vice president? I mean, this is why a lot of people, the Republican Party, are ultimately skeptical of Mike Pence's chances, because he basically doesn't have either part of the party, whereas any of the parts of the party that are a little skeptical of Trump don't want to return to Trump whether or not those are never Trump Republicans or just sort of moderate Republicans. There are a lot of alternatives to Mike Pence, especially given that he was vice president. And if you really like Trump, Trump essentially spent the last two and a half years saying that Mike Pence is a traitor and didn't have the courage to basically reject the Electoral College results and keep Trump as president. So Mike Pence has tried to thread this needle by criticizing Trump on January 6th actions and then not really criticizing him on other things. But this has resulted in him still pulling very much at the back of the pack, where he's essentially neither side's first choice. You know, it occurs to me that there's a generational aspect to some of these campaigns also. DeSantis may be prioritizing uh, the anti-woke message, but whether it's Pence or Chris Christie, and they are courting different parts of the base, but they are both trying to call the Republican Party back to an earlier time when the Republican Party was, you know, sort of more focused on American patriotism and being business friendly. Is that a major fault line in the candidates that we're seeing so far? You know, it's a great question because there certainly is a nostalgia that you're talking about. You know, Mike Pence has not made it a secret that he has really talked a lot about the party of Reagan and a lot of his messaging. And, you know, that was a mainstay of basically every Republican candidate for 30 years about, you know, Ronald Reagan was the patron saint of the Republican Party. But it it is really unclear. And I guess it's going to be tested right now. 
you know, whether or not that message is effective. In the 2016 Republican primary, that message wasn't effective. And everyone in their own way is talking about patriotism. The way they talk about it is really a little bit more about, you know, are you a sunshiny, happy warrior or are you sort of a dark and ominous here to save it? Alex Thompson is Axios's national political correspondent. Thanks, Alex. Thanks so much. At least 275 people are dead and hundreds more are injured after a massive train crash in India over the weekend in the eastern part of the country. It involved a freight train and two passenger trains carrying over 2,000 people. It's the country's deadliest rail disaster in two decades. Indian officials say the accident was likely caused by an electronic signaling error. Prime Minister Narendra Modi has drawn criticism in the past for not prioritizing safety and modernizing the country's railways. Modi had been scheduled to inaugurate a new high-speed train connecting Goa and Mumbai, but the event was canceled after the crash. That new train includes a system to help prevent collisions. For the latest on the story, head to Axios.com. In a moment, new diverse leadership across media networks. Welcome back to Axios Today. I'm Margaret Tollive, in for Nyla Boodoo. Kristen Welker will step in as host of NBC's Meet the Press this fall, marking the first time a Black journalist has hosted the show in its 76-year history, and only the second time a woman has. Terrence Samuel will begin his role as top editor of USA Today in July. This moment of opportunity for women and leaders of color in media is also coming amid upheaval and tumult across the industry. Sarah Fisher writes Axios's Media Trends newsletter. Sarah, why are we seeing these big changes now? And how important are they? Well, they're hugely important, in part because one of the big criticisms of the news media as an industry has been that without adequate representation within their own newsrooms and business operations, they can't adequately portray what's happening in America. And so you asked me why this is happening. In the past few years, we've seen two major cultural movements. You had the Me Too movement, which began in 2017, and you had the Black Lives Matter movement. And in the wake of those two movements, the news industry in particular had to really do some self-reflection and figure out why they had not risen to the occasion in terms of hiring these people in its ranks. And you saw a huge slew of turnover in the past few years. You know, you just noted Kristen Welker and Terrence Samuel, but, you know, CBS News's Kim Godwin was named the president of ABC News in 2021. You have Rashida Jones, who was named the president of MSNBC in 2020. Cesar Conde, who is Hispanic, is the chairman of NBC News Group. You have so many examples. And now, Margaret, you know, you'd almost be hard pressed to find a news organization, whether it's in TV, print or digital, that's not led by either a woman or a person of color, either on the editorial or business side. Sarah, this is coming at a time when the media has become so splintered and when you have this moment of great opportunity for women, for people of color, but it's coming as the audience share has been shrinking. Yeah, you highlighted a really important point, which is that a lot of the bigger mainstream news outlets see this as an important change that they need to foster. But that doesn't mean that the audiences necessarily are the same as before. But, you know, I'd argue, Margaret, that these big media outlets and the changes they're making still matter because even though most Americans are getting news on social media and a plethora of different platforms, oftentimes the narratives that are set 
are still set from the top. And so when you bring a more diverse set of people to the top, you're actually diversifying the types of stories that you wouldn't have thought you needed to cover. And that makes a huge difference. How different do you think the big networks are going to look as we enter another election season? Very different, Margaret. We've had so much changeover at the top news networks. As I mentioned, these are all changes that have basically happened within the last few years that are going to dictate how coverage will look on television in the next election cycle. But we're also seeing the same thing in print, right? Sally Buzzy taking over for The Washington Post, Emma Tucker taking the reins at The Wall Street Journal. Almost every single news outlet has a new leader heading into the 2024 elections. And so I would expect big coverage changes ahead of that. Sarah Fisher writes Axios's Media Trends newsletter. Thanks so much, Sarah. Thank you. Before we go, a tiny but powerful art installation is headed for the cosmos. Last week, U.S. Poet Laureate Ada Lamon revealed her new poem that will fly to Jupiter's moon Europa aboard NASA's Europa Clipper mission. And NASA is inviting people around the world to sign their own names to the poem ahead of its journey. As Axios's Miriam Kramer writes, Lamont's poem uses water as the threat between Earth and Europa, a moon with an ocean beneath its icy shell. Axios's Allison Snyder brought me along to the Library of Congress late last week to hear Lamont and NASA officials in person talk about the poem and the mission, and we were moved by the hope and wonder of the crowd. Find out more about the Message in a Bottle project, including how to add your own name, in our show notes. That's all for us today. I'm Margaret Tolive, in for Nyla Boudou. I'll leave you with Poet Laureate Ada Lamon reading an excerpt from her poem, In Praise of Mystery, a poem for Europa. Stay well, and have a great week. We too are made of wonders, of great and ordinary loves, of small, invisible worlds, of a need to call out through the dark. <laughs>